Welcome back to episode 6 of the AUENV233 Dirt on Soils podcast. Today we are going to delve into the basics of soil pH and soil acidity. After learning about soil texture and soil water, along with cation exchange capacity, soil acidity is an additional factor that is a major consideration in soil health. But first, let's hear from our friends, Red Hot Chili Peppers. We've already mentioned the major potential impact of soil pH on soil organisms, so this episode will look further into soil pH dynamics. First, let's review some of the major learning objectives for this topic. Be familiar with pH and what soil acidification be familiar with pH and what soil acidification means. Understand the primary ions and pathways within soil acidity. Know where we find acidity in soils and how we measure pH. Be familiar with human actions that contribute to soil pH. The first question to answer is, what is pH? pH stands for the power of hydrogen, and it is a measure of the concentration of hydrogen ions, H+, in the soil. The major source of H ions are dissociated water molecules, H2O, breaking into a hydrogen, H+, and hydroxide, OH- ion. Dissociated water molecules are actually really rare under normal conditions when about 1 out of 10 million H2O molecules are dissociated. When we read about a soil pH being 6, this refers to the concentration of H plus ions, in this case 1 times 10 to the negative 6. Similarly, a pH of 4 would mean 1 times 10 to the negative 4. So we can see that a lower pH means a higher concentrations of H plus ions in the soil. This means more acidic. Conversely, Above 7 means an alkaline soil, and there would be more hydroxide, OH- ions, than hydrogen ions. These concentrations always equal out to 10 to the negative 14. So at pH of 9, you would have an H plus concentration of 10 to the negative 9, and an OH concentration of 10 to the negative 5. To better understand what these values mean, it is nice to compare some common items. For instance, a pH of 4 is similar to coffee, whereas antacid tablets, like Tums, have a pH of 9. Important to remember is that pH is a logarithmic scale, so an increase in acidity from 6 to 5 represents a tenfold increase, 6 to 4 is a hundredfold increase, etc. When we consider soils, the overall range of pH is actually limited because the differences can be large and very impactful. For example, very strong acidity refers to about 4.5 on the pH scale, and anything lower than this is extreme. However, we can find examples of soils across these ranges. Usually arable soils are in the 5 to 7 range, but forest soils are below this and calcareous soils above it. Let's move on to see the different processes that can lead to soil acidification. The first are the presence of organic acids, especially carbonic acids. Carbonic acids are usually weak and are quite commonly formed because of the presence of CO2 due to respiration from roots and soil microorganisms. The chemical equation is CO2 plus H2O, which forms H2CO3, which can dissociate into HCO3- and H ion. Usually this is a negligible influence below pH of 5 due to lower presence of microorganisms. A second process involves the accumulation of organic matter, which contributes H ions based on forming interactions with calcium and magnesium. We actually saw this back when we discussed cation exchange capacity. A third is the oxidation of nitrogen, also known as nitrification. The addition of oxygen produces H plus ions, whereas reduction, which is the loss of oxygen, consumes H plus ions. The process requires the presence of ammonium ions, NH4 plus, in the soil. 
a major source of these are fertilizers. Another potential oxidation reaction involves sulfur. Sulfur can be present through organic sources or from mineral sources. This reaction requires a reduced form of sulfur and high oxygen levels, and forms sulfuric acid which can dissociate to add H ions. Major areas for this are drainage of coastal wetlands and mining of pirate materials such as shale around coal beds. As all rain is slightly acidic, precipitation, including snow and fog, can have a variety of acids that can dissociate and contribute H ions to the soil. This effect occurs to a higher degree when rain falls through more polluted air, such as downwind from industrial sources. Finally, we have plants' impact on the soil. Plant roots take up positively charged cations, and to balance this uptake, can either take up a negative charge or release a positive charge. As most of the major ions are positive, plants end up exuding H ions to maintain soil solution. This increase in H means that the soil becomes much more acidic, especially around roots. Although these six processes can stimulate Although these six processes can stimulate acidification, the actual soil pH is balanced out by processes that can consume H ions. Examples are plants exuding bicarbonate ions, HCO3-, which takes up or consumes an H ion. Another is the release of cations from minerals. They can then become exchangeable cations on the surface of soil colloids. Remember the consumption of H contributes to increasing the pH, making the soil less acidic. Up to this point, we've only discussed hydrogen ions, but hydrogen is not the only element that has a role. Aluminum plays a big role in soil pH. Of course, aluminum is also a major component of clays. The process takes place like this. Under acidic conditions, H ions break up mineral structures and release the internal aluminum ions. These ions then adsorb onto the colloid surface. Recalling our cation exchange capacity topic, when these are adsorbed, it means they are also in equilibrium with aluminum in the soil solution thus increasing the total of aluminum both on the soil colloid surface and in solution. This has two impacts. One, aluminum is highly toxic to most organisms. The second is that aluminum has a tendency to hydrolyze or split water molecules. The aluminum then subsequently combines with the hydroxide ion, leaving hydrogen ions free in the soil solution, increasing soil acidity. When we think about soil acidity, we need to consider different pools of acidity, as not all of it is measured at a given moment. The first pool to consider is active acidity. This is defined by the concentration of free H ions in the soil solution. It is actually the smallest pool, but is extremely important for determining biological environment and soil solubility. The second pool is the exchangeable pool. These are the H and Al3 ions that are absorbed onto colloid surfaces but could be released via cation exchange. The potential acidity here can be thousands of times stronger than the active pool. Think back to which type of clays would have a large exchangeable pool. Finally, we have the third pool, residual acidity. This is the largest pool, but is made up of non-exchangeable forms of hydrogen and aluminum ions that under certain conditions can be released. Total acidity represents all of these pools combined. To raise the pH, usually what we're trying to do, we must overcome all of these pools due to the concept of buffering. Buffering, in the case of soil acidity, refers to the ability of soils to resist changes in pH. This happens because of a balance between the three pools of acidity. We measure this by comparing titration curves for water with those from soils. This is where your memories of first year chemistry come flooding back. The buffering mechanism works because if we add some base, for example lime, to a soil, it might neutralize the H ions in the active pool. However, the base also acts to release hydrogen and aluminum ions from the surface of soil colloids and make unexchangeable ions exchangeable. 
Overall, it pushes all of the reaction to the right and puts H plus ions into solution, maintaining the pH. A similar process would happen in the other direction if we had a large source of H plus ions introduced to the soil. It would push everything to the left and actually resist lowering the pH. We can conceptually think of this like a coffee urn. You may recall these from Monica's Cafe. Ah, remember Monica's? Also, soil and coffee seems like a theme for these analogies. The coffee urn has a central vat and a small indicator tube. The active acidity is this indicator tube, and the exchange residual capacity is the central urn. When we dispense coffee, it fills from the small tube. It falls rapidly, just like active acidity H ions. But it is quickly refilled from the central urn, and the overall level does not fall very much at all. This analogy reveals that soils with high cation exchange capacity, or large coffee urns, will better resist changes to pH. The buffering capacity of a soil is an important consideration for stable environments which are essential for soil organisms. How do we measure pH in the soil? Recall that what we are measuring is the concentration of hydrogen ions. Two easy and rapid methods for the field are colorimetric methods, using chemical dyes, or potentiometric methods, using a glass electrode. There are a lot of pH measurement tools on the market that are a bunch of junk, such as metal sensors that give misleading measurements. The most accurate method is potentiometric, with a pH-sensitive glass electrode inserted into a soil-water suspension, usually in a one-to-one -one ratio. The measurement is recorded in electricity differential and converted to a pH. From this episode, we should understand that there is a lot of spatial variability in pH. For example, areas adjacent to plant roots could have a very different pH than even a few millimeters away. Other considerations, such as high concentrations of fertilizers or topographic-related drainage, can impact pH. This speaks to the need to develop a soil sampling scheme that accounts for this variability. We must also consider variability with soil depth and at different times in the season, especially dry versus wet conditions. Now that we know more about soil pH and how to measure it, how do human activities impact it? The first activity to consider is nitrogen fertilization. As we mentioned earlier, ammonium-based fertilizers are oxidized in the soil to produce strong inorganic acids. These can produce hydrogen ions that lower soil pH. Notably, most of this pH decrease is actually limited by the bicarbonate ions plants release when they take up the nitrate ions from the soil. It is the excess fertilizer that is not used by the plant that has the largest impact on the soil pH. Unfortunately, this approach to over-application has become more common, leading to acidification of croplands across the world. Sometimes, instead of ammonium-based fertilizers, organic materials, such as manure, are applied. Some of these contain enough base cations to offset acidification, but it's important to know what your manure contains. The second major human activity impacting soil pH is acid deposition from the atmosphere, or in short form, acid rain. This was a major issue in the 1980s, early 1990s, especially in eastern Canada and across Europe. The source of pollution was from burning fossil fuels and smelting of ores, which released nitrogen and sulfur gases. Natural sources of these gases include forest fires and burning crop residues. However, these are obviously less constant in time and space than anthropogenic sources. The gases react with water in the atmosphere to form strong acids, with pHs ranging between 4 and 4.5, but as low as 2. Acid precipitation has an impact on soils by mobilizing aluminum ions, which replace cations on colloid surfaces. These cations are then leached downward in the soil, and the dominant ions in the soil and soil solution become H and aluminum 3+. These soil changes have had an impact on tree, forest health, and aquatic ecosystems. Forests are struggling from aluminum toxicity and potentially 
calcium limitation. Aquatic ecosystems from toxic aluminum. Waters are very clear, but pH is lower than 5 with almost no biological activity. This is not a short-term impact, but rather a cumulative longer-term impact. In most cases, we frequently try and control the pH, especially on agricultural soils, as we understand that many crops have a preference of pH range for optimal growth. How do we do it? Usually we try and amend the soil with alkaline materials to consume H and raise the pH. Most of these substances are known as agricultural limes and need to be added in very large amounts. Due to the amounts required, substances need to be both inexpensive and plentiful, the most common being finely ground limestone. Once added, the chemical reactions act to replace aluminum and hydrogen on the colloidal complex, bind up these ions in soluble forms, forming byproducts of water and CO2. Due to the fact that most of the carbon from lime results in CO2 release, agricultural liming is a major contributor of CO2 emissions. This means we need to know how much lime is required and not overapply. There are several factors to consider when determining the amount of lime to apply. One, how much do we want the pH to change? The more change requires more material, considering all pools of soil acidity. Two, what is the buffering capacity of the soil? High buffering is related to a high cation exchange capacity, and more lime is required to overcome that buffering. Three, how much of an area do we want to ameliorate? To what depth? The larger an area or the deeper in the soil we want to ameliorate, the more lime we require. Four, what is the chemical composition of the liming materials? We need to consider the charge and molecular weight of the cations involved. Five, what is the fineness of the soil amendment? We need to consider surface area, how quickly those reactions would take place. We can use a lab approach involving a specific buffer solution to calculate how much lime we should add. We need to recognize that liming materials act slowly over weeks to months or even years. This means there is a need to plan ahead on when to apply lime for a crop in the future, especially under crop rotation. In many environments, there's also a need to repeat application every three to five years. That concludes episode six. Here we've learned more about soil pH as an essential characteristic of the soil's chemical environment. Basically, all of a soil's biological inhabitants are sensitive to soil pH, so an understanding of the processes that influence acidity and how we can control or ameliorate those conditions are key to better understanding of soil ecosystems. Next episode, we'll begin our dive into soil fertility and soil nutrient cycles.